Hi everyone, Corey Bebechko here, and today I'm going to recap Leviticus 9 to Numbers chapter 3 because we're reading through the Bible this year. So if you've fallen behind, I am here for you. It's a lot of reading, right? And so every once in a while, we all need a helping hand to catch back up or a recap to help us remember what we've read. So anyway, if you don't have our reading plan or our daily Bible study devotional, then check out BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Everything's in our description. But for now, let's just dive right in. Leviticus chapter 9, we see Aaron and his sons work their very first day in the newly established tent tabernacle. And the glory of God makes a special appearance and consumes the animal sacrifice on the altar with an intense fire, uh, and the people worship God. Now in Leviticus 10, the reverence is broken when Nadab and Abihu, who were priests and sons of Aaron, they offer what the Bible calls unauthorized fire. So they do something that they're not supposed to do. And they themselves are then consumed by fire from the presence of God and they die. God speaks directly to Aaron about the priests not drinking alcohol when they go into the tabernacle. So it's possible that Nadab and Abihu were drunk and so irreverently offering the wrong things. Now, though Aaron isn't allowed to mourn like he normally would mourn his sons, which would have been very loudly and publicly, he and the priests do not eat their portion of the sacrificial meat that day because it's supposed to be celebratory. It's a celebratory meal and they're internally mourning a loss and God's okay with this. Leviticus 11 goes back to some of the laws for Israel, this time related to what animals were seen as clean and unclean. So what could be eaten and offered as sacrifices and not eaten or offered. Leviticus 12 then talks about purification after childbirth. So the blood of childbirth had to be ritually cleansed. For male children, their purification was shorter, enabling circumcision on their eighth day of life. Well, life on the outside anyway. Leviticus chapter 13 then contains regulations about skin diseases, mold, and mildews. So it was the job of the priests to decide how serious conditions were and then prescribe solutions to them. Leviticus 14 outlines the procedure for when someone got over a skin condition. So the process of becoming ritually clean involved the sacrifice of a bird and the release of another bird. So it's similar in some ways to the scapegoat sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. Leviticus 15 looks at different bodily functions that would make an Israelite ceremonially unclean. And there's a lot of them. But I think a helpful reminder here is that these things weren't sinful. It did, however, serve to separate human sexuality from the religious structures of Israel, a separation that did not exist in Canaan, where the Israelites were going to end up. Leviticus chapter 16 describes the Day of Atonement, when once a year atonement would be made for the nation in a special way. Uh, this was in the form of sacrifices and the high priest entering the Holy of Holies. Leviticus 17 contains a command for all sacrifices and offerings to be made at the tabernacle, effectively centralizing the worship practices of Israel. It also contains the prohibition that Israel was not allowed to consume blood because life was in the blood and God had given animal life to Israel to make blood atonement, not for their enjoyment or consumption. The nation was also given a rule that eating anything found dead, so an animal like eaten by wild or torn apart by other wild animals, 
Uh, it would actually make you ritually unclean, but just until evening. Leviticus 18 describes for Israel what was inappropriate sexual behavior. Now, this served to distinguish Israel clearly from the nations around them. And this chapter also outlaws child sacrifice. Leviticus 19 contains many laws for Israel, and they're generally about worshiping God through action. So things like taking care of the poor, being honest, being just and fair, and cultural elements that are less understood by us today because we live in a different day and age. So things like not wearing clothing made of two different fibers or not cutting the hair on the edges of the head or the beard. Leviticus 20 outlines the punishments that were to be doled out for certain sins, or even that God would ensure would befall people based off of their disobedience. Leviticus 21 has rules for priests, like who they could or couldn't mourn for, uh, take leave from their jobs, essentially, and who they could become ceremonially unclean for. Leviticus 22 talks about how priests were to uphold the ritual purity laws and how and who could eat the sacrifices of Israel. It also talks about sacrifices that were not acceptable to God. Leviticus 23 then outlines the special feasts of Israel. So these were Sabbath, Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruit Offerings, so Harvest, the Feast of Weeks, also called Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, and the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacle. Lots of stuff in chapter 23. Chapter 24 has an overall theme of the holiness of God. We see the tabernacle oil and the tabernacle bread being of the best and most pure ingredients. And we're given the case of a blasphemer. So someone who publicly cursed the name of God and his consequence is he's put to death, he's executed. Leviticus 25 talks about the Sabbath year. So every seventh year, the land of Israel was supposed to have a rest from agricultural use. And then every 50th year was to be a year of Jubilee, where property that had been sold was actually returned to its family, its tribal origins. This maintained the original tribal sectioning of the land. And then this year also marked the release of Hebrew servants back into freedom. Leviticus 26 then outlines the rewards that Israel would experience for following God. So things like having peace from enemy warfare, uh, having the presence of God be among them and having good harvests. Uh, it also records the punishments they would receive on the flip side for disobedience to the covenant. So losses in warfare, enemy invasion, and eventually being completely broken by enemies and scattered into different nations. A theme in the chapter though is this great hope in God's promise to Abraham that they have, because ultimately God would remember his covenant with Abraham. Leviticus 27 goes over the redemption laws of Israel. So one could dedicate themselves or a child to servicing God's tabernacle for a certain time. So what you would do, uh, what, what could you do if you wanted out after, uh, before the agreed upon timeline, right? All of this is outlined in chapter 27. And um, lest we misunderstand and be outraged by the monetary value for people that's given based on their ages and genders, I think it makes the most sense uh, to look at it as what was the going rate for the work that was able to be done in the tabernacle by these different demographics. So the work was of different kinds. So the people were giving different values of service uh, to the tabernacle. Okay. Now onto the book of Numbers. In Numbers chapter one, 
the Israelites take a census in the wilderness as they're preparing to go into the promised land. Now, this census excluded the Levites because the Levites were dedicated to working in the tabernacle. So they weren't a part of the fighting men, which was the purpose of the census. Now, Numbers chapter 2 explains how the camp of Israel was physically arranged around the tabernacle as they traveled through the wilderness. And then Numbers chapter 3 records a separate census that they did take of the Levites. Now, it distinguishes the Levites by clan because each clan was responsible for a different part of the tent tabernacle. So the Gershonites took care of the curtains and the ropes and the coverings of the tabernacle. The Kohathites took care of the furniture, so like the Ark of the Covenant and the lampstand and the altars and things like that. And then finally, the third group of Levites were the Merorites, who took care of the tabernacle's frames, the poles, the bases, and things like that. All right, so that was our reading recapped for you this week. I hope you had a good week of reading, and I hope you are ready and excited to jump into next week's reading. Until next time, see you later. Thank you so much for watching. We want to keep producing high quality biblical content, but we can't do it without your support. If you feel called to support us, please click the link in the description under donate. Your support really means a lot to us.